Are we not the bestest of friends already? Only in media. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast Forged in Amon Amarth. It's time for Doom. 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 It's time for Doom. And to Doom, uh, also stargazing. We'll do that as well. But on this particular version, the skies are cloudy and the stars are falling from the sky. I think I see lightning. They're going to fall on Tyler and Mark and myself tonight. Hello, guys. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> you, it's you can't... not going to go well, I can I was... tell you that. <laughs> I know. I was going <laughs> to say, for this, this special edition, it's not how's it going, it's how bad is it going. Doom. Well, I think the, yeah, exactly. I, I think the air conditioner is about ready to break. That's that's as bad as it can get. <laughs> Let's pack it up and go home territory. So in, in case, for those listening, the, the gimmick today is we felt like the last podcast, we got a little too positive. We got a little too cocky. We talked about how you know, promising things were. And, you know, we're, we're in the, the final stages of the dregs of summer. Nothing's going on. So this is the this is the turning into the skid edition of Stargazing. And, and we're going to go ahead and we're going to open up the Hurt Locker and we're going to talk about all of the painful things that could happen and assail us over the coming season. We're just going to we're going to get it out into the world right we're going to name it and in so naming kind of take the fear away uh or we're just going to really bum ourselves out i haven't i haven't really figured out how it's going to end up but it's, it's going to be not fun along the way I well you know be bummed out yep this this is our identity and i like where we're at <laughs> i like where we're at i like this group our our, our identity <laughs> is being bummed out and depressing yep. <laughs> That that's our core audience right there. I, I think that's why I started following the stars. That that is stars Twitter in a nutshell. I will yep. admit. It's I mean it's it's horseshit is what it is. Yep. Are there, are there any more any, any other callbacks? Is there a Sean Avery joke we can make while we're all <laughs> while we're all here? Doom. We were doomed to have Sean Avery on the team. Yeah. That's right. Oh, Everything man. went downhill from there. <laughs> Well, I'll, I'll start off. I, yeah, I, I, why not? Get I'd say, that. yeah, let, let's go. I, I think, I think the economy, the economy goes uh, goes wacko, and we end up with the owner who's bankrupt again. And that is a doom statement. My goodness, that's really. I'm taking it back. We've been there. I'm, Next I'm, thing you know, I'm... we'll have Sheldon Saray on the blue line. <laughs> all right, all right. Now, now that's just low. <laughs> He could he could hit the puck really hard though. So my he understanding is hard. that that much in, in you know follow his his coaching tree down to Kevin Connaughton and those guys can you know if you can blast the biscuit you got a spot in the lineup. I mean and, and, so and we're doomed to not have that right. We now. are doomed and getting in getting into the gimmick of course that that would be bad for many obvious reasons. But the other one is that this would be you know it's not like Dallas is shorn of long term cap commitments. And it's not like Dallas is a team that's that's you know kind of scraping to hit the floor, right? So any any kind of major financial distress hitting a team with kind of ironclad long term commitments, you're you're looking at a uh, a fire sale uh, of, yeah. of assets as well. So of course, starting us off with really nailing the gimmick. Thank you, thank you, and also I hate you for that, Mark. The <laughs> the the negative of any kind of distress again is that Dallas wouldn't just be a team that then couldn't go out and find help. Dallas would be a team that would have to start 
checking boxes off of the lineup and and figuring out well where can we where can we get rid of money and where can we save and and you know unfortunately some of the the players that we would as fans perhaps want to jettison in that situation aren't really the players that would drive demand in that situation so it would it would be it would be brutal so yeah, yeah I, I mean I'll, I'll start with one that's a little more realistic and and that is that we we brought in uh, Pete DeBoer, who who likes to drive offense from the back end, and we just got rid of an incredibly good puck moving defender. And number one on my doom list is we can't figure out a way to replace John Klingberg. Yeah, I mean, really, it's, it comes down the the assumption that we're making as Stars fans is that Miro will just be able to automatically do more. And what he can't do, we can probably piece together from, you know, Ryan Suter and more limited contributions and then Thomas Harley's development. So in this instance, right, the doom the doom cast would be what if Harley is really not ready, um, even a little bit? And what if, you know, Ryan Suter has trouble skating up and down in the ice with a gigantic fork sticking out of his back? And then all of a sudden, a coach whose system is is sort of leans heavily on the concept of a defenseman being able to drive play, looking at the lineup, there's exactly one guy on the roster that can do that, probably playing on his offside. And, you know, NHL coaches aren't idiots. If, if you've only got one guy that makes your offense go, the challenge of, of stopping that offense becomes exponentially simpler. Yeah, and he'll be playing 30 minutes a night. Yeah, I mean, I, I think th- this is essentially my, you know, kind of worst case scenario that is also not that unlikely is it's weird given how defense defense has been identity for the stars for the past, you know, several years at this point. Um, I mean, heck, even longer back then, there's a reason we're called defending big D. Uh, but it's like, okay, you look at the defense, you know, you lost John Klingberg, you have... Miro Haskinen, who's outstanding, but then your second best defenseman is probably uh, Lindell, who I think on a good, you know, true contender is probably ideally your fourth best defenseman, maybe your third. You know, uh, you know what this reminds me of? The the quote from Dodgeball. Our best player thinks he's a pirate. I mean, he might be our best player. We don't know yet. We're not figuring it out. Exactly. And then, like you're saying, like, you know, Suter is not as bad as, you know, Star Suter made him out to be this last season, but he's still not, you know, oh, yeah, we're happy he's one of our top defensemen. Uh, you know, Harley could definitely not make the next step. And then pretty much, you know, the rest of the defense is some ragtag guys on third pairings who are going to have to be asked to play more than that. And then there's the whole, you know, everyone on this team is a lefty issue. <laughs> so, I mean, I think it's very easy to envision a situation where the stars try and rely on Haskinen way too much, playing him 30 minutes a night. He's doing power play, penalty kill. He's doing everything. No one else can really manage even that great of a be a second pairing defenseman, let alone, you know, being that top guy or doing a strong defense. And then the issue with that is kind of like what Mark was saying, is that if suddenly your defense is struggling, then the solution with this team, just knowing what the you know management and ownership wants, and then just the actual makeup of the roster, it's not going to be a return to you know 2015, 16, where it's like, oh well, if we can't keep the pucks out of our net, we're just going to score more. You know what you're going to see is to make up for the lack of talent on the blue line, 
this team's going to keep and reemphasize their defensive structure and mindset, even with the new coach, which will then kind of stifle any offensive creativity. And then we're going to be the exact same boat where we have been the past two seasons where it's like, okay, yeah, we're winning games two to one, but we're also losing a whole bunch two to one or three to two or whatever like that. And there's not going to be really any big progress. Right. And that's kind of your systemic doom right there, which is this team has been trained over the last, you know, what, four, four or five years to be defense first. And the easy thing for them to do when things start going south are going to be drop into old habits and their old habits are our defensive shell. I would take that one step further and, and it's not even that it's not. Yes. Dropping into old habits and a shell is a bad thing for a team that doesn't necessarily have the horses to do that anymore. But I think the broader problem right now is that this defense is, is really built under the assumption that three players, right? Really three players, right? Miro, Essa and, and Ryan Suter are top pairing defensemen. Right. And you could you could maybe make the argument that Yanni Hockenpah, right? But but it's really the the assumption is that those three guys are the spine around which you can build a good NHL defense. And one of those guys, I think you'd nod and say, Yeah, sure, let, that makes sense. And the other two, like you know, Tyler, you're right, Suter wasn't as bad as as he kind of got lambasted last season he's he's maybe the heir and the heir apparent to the you know trevor daly slash um you know the the trevor daly seat of much pain on the dallas blue line but just because he wasn't as bad as a lot of people said he was doesn't mean he was good and so i think yeah the the doom is that this defense just can't do it right and all of a sudden you've got an entire positional unit that just doesn't function right and and we've spent all this this summer looking at that great calgary series that jake ottinger had and 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 his standing on his head got us to to game seven there we don't want to see 82 games of of ottinger needing to do that well that to me if if we want to go ahead and, and go from doom to doom the 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 big worry on my mind is that jake ottinger follows the carter hart path and you know calgary as great as it was, the Dallas Stars come into next season expecting, you know, the way that he played against the Calgary Flames, you know, expecting a 954 goaltender and instead get not that, right? Y'all know me. I don't I don't appreciate uh I don't handle uh Andre Slander well, but I know I, spirit, I, call, I pretty much called you out directly on that. In one. the spirit of the Doomcast, I'll say my concern is you know, there is concern there, because I think if you look at Ottinger historically, and I mean, even before uh, NHL, why not? he's very traditionally been a slow start goaltender. If you look back at his days in Boston and his first well, year in the if NHL. there's any fan base that's able to weather a slow start, it's fans of the Dallas Stars. <laughs> well, it's like, True. well that's, that's kind of my thought. It's like, you know, he, like, if you look back, there was a lot of times where when people were tracking his development and was like, Oh, goalie in the first round, you know, at the beginning of the year, he'd be looking lackluster. He wouldn't be putting up that great stats and people would be like, Oh, I told you so. And, you know, and then by the end of the year, he was just on fire. He's rolling in all cylinders and it all kind of graded out to like an above average, you know, kind of season. Uh, So my concern is I'm not, 
you know, if Andrew does kind of seem to stumble out of the gate, you know, that's not going to be particularly surprising to me. But my question is, you know, what does the overreaction look like that? Because, I mean, look, the stars were already in this position where they didn't want Ottinger in this position. You know, the whole plan was Ben Bishop was going to be healthy and sticking in. And then even when he wasn't healthy last year, you know, they they made specific moves to keep Ottinger buried in the AHL and really didn't even call him up or start using him until they were really left no other option. Yeah. You know, so I'm starting to think, okay, if Ottinger starts, you know, him getting sent back to the AHL is not an option anymore due to waivers, but if he starts to struggle out of their gate, I mean, do they start playing Wedgwood a lot more than they should do? Do they try and bring Anton Hudobin back up and try and have a, a Hudobin resurgence? Does Jim Nil try and get another trade for a goalie? Because you can never have too many goaltenders. I mean, I mean they needed four the, last year, I guess. I mean, yeah, and, and then, you know, back to, you know, we're talking about with system-wise, if suddenly the Stars get in their mindset of, oh, our goaltender is struggling, we got to suddenly, you know, hunker down and we can't let anything, you know, get any shots off all just shot suppression and just slow the game down to a crawl. I mean, I think it's very easy to see that a situation where wheels come off pretty quick and, you know, whether it's the defense or the goaltending or, you know, new coaching system, et cetera, it's very easy to see a situation where uh, things don't start off well for Dallas and it really is doom and gloom. Well, doom, in that situation, doom could feed doom, right? If Ottinger stumbles, doom number two, and then doom number one, the defense isn't where they need it to be. Then, you know, all of a the sudden there's much less of a, of a rate, you know, of a safety net. Right. And I, I'd extend it as well. Like it could even be, even if Ottinger plays well, there, there's another kind of, called the the Lettinen doom where if if Wedgwood turns into a pumpkin and Hudobin doesn't come back and all of a sudden Dallas is in a position where they have to run a guy into the ground right we've we've been in situations before where Dallas had a good goaltender that was playing well in Kari Lettinen and they couldn't get him out of the crease and eventually that catches up with you and your good goalie turns into a, a shell of himself and there's no backup and all of a sudden you know you're in doom <laughs> right, I mean, right. I, I, I like, this is the first year at the nhl level that ottinger is going to be a true number one and so that comes with extra workload that he's never seen and and some additional pressure that that, that he hasn't seen and with a team here that's moving from a from a defense first attitude into something that's at least not quite that the the odds of of that defense being somewhat more porous just go up not not just by the skill of the defenders that we've already talked about, but the system that the defense runs. And so you could find a goaltender who is facing more and different types of shots than they're used to because the defense is is not pinching everything to the boards. Yeah, and, and some of that is by it, it. You could wind up in a situation where some of that's by design, right? It's offense is a give and take, and if you are going to attack. You're going, you know, it's it's not just that you get better offensively and the defense stays the same. A lot of times what you have to do to find that offense is, okay, we're going to allow a couple of more chances because we believe that we can deal with them. And we believe that if we allow a couple of more chances, we'll create even more than that, right? So if 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 you've got a situation where either the defense or the goaltending becomes a problem, then you really kind of, it, it's going to tank everything, right? Because you, you either have to, decide that you're going to try and win every game six to five and, and, you know, Dallas 
Probably. I, I don't think I'm, I'm making any shocking statements to say that Dallas probably doesn't have the roster to do that. Or you have to to pull things back even further. And, and history has told us that there is nothing less predictable than a you know one goal outcome in a hockey game. So the last thing that you want to do is put yourself into a position where one goal is the difference, you know, capital T, capital D. Right. And, and I'm not sure that DeBoer knows how to coach that way. You know, his, his systems are not based on, on running everything from the back end. So is, is he going to have to change if all of a sudden, uh, if all of a sudden we're getting hammered more on the defensive end and don't have the, the horses up front uh, to score enough to keep up? Yeah. I, I mean, I think in that regard, I mean, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier about, you know, what the team has been trained for and what they're used to or not, because we saw this all the way back, you know, with after the season of Hitch, where we completely, this team did a complete 180 on their style. You even had with Jim Montgomery, like he even mentioned like in interviews, like he said it outright that when they started to struggle, he basically had to, had the team shift into that kind of very defensive turtle mentality. And that's kind of where the game kind of evolved because that's what they were used to. That's how they knew how to play. And it's kind of like a safety net. And so it's very, even if, you know, DeBoer was coming in and was trying to have this very offensive-minded system. It, it's still going to be very hard, especially now that it's, you know, it's not just a single year and it's, you know, been the last, you know, five years or so. I mean, a lot of these players have only played under this defensive Dallas Stars system. Uh, so... Yeah, you, you can't you I mean, you probably can't. Maybe you can. He is. It wouldn't sh- shock me. He is that amazing. But it's not like you can just walk up to, to Haskin and say, oh, hey, by the way, um, next season, we need you to be a 50 point player. So if you could just like do that, it'd be awesome. Well, it's not you an know? issue of needing him to be a 50 point player. It's that you're going to ask him to be a 50 point player. Oh, and also we need you to be a shutdown defenseman who doesn't let things ask. I mean, it's essentially going to be, hey, you need to win the Norris Trophy this year or things are going to be bad. I mean, that's kind of the expectations you might be looking to ask in just to kind of keep you moving in the right direction. If the rest of your you know roster doesn't kind of step up and fill that void. Absolutely. And, and I, ha- I have another one for you guys. Just just out, off, uh, it's, it's, it's doom, but it's also mild doom. So this one isn't even a what if X falls off a cliff question. It's thinking about the offense. What if this... You know, we, we've been spending the last couple of seasons lamenting the coaching. And I, I was driving that bus, right, talking about how it was stifling in the system, the system, the system. What if it wasn't the system? And what if what we've seen is just where this team's talent is? And nobody necessarily regresses, but there's no burst or sudden improvement. And really, this this just is Dallas, well, and it goes to the, you know, we don't have anybody who creates offense. And and losing Klingberg, I think, is is what's really going to kill us here. Um, even something like losing Radulov, who, who, you know, wasn't putting the puck in the net, but at least was creative in getting pucks into dangerous areas. And who on the team do we have that's out there that really... Uh, sets sets the plate for his guys. Yeah, I mean, I think Mark hits the nail on the head here. It's it's not just you know the issue wasn't just the coaching. It, in my mind, it was the fact that here's your coach and your defensive mindset, 
and it's an organization thing. So the players you acquire match that kind of defensive style. And so what you see is that this team is, and maybe it'll be different, you know, if, you know, with the addition of Marchment, if he was a one hit wonder, maybe if the team, you know, lets, you know, one of Bork, Johnson and Sankovin make the team, which I highly doubt personally, because this is a doom cast and I'm also just pessimistic doom. about it. But, you know, that's why instead of seeing these team, the team filled with kind of these offensive playmakers, like Mark is talking about, that you kind of need to drive play, you see that it's filled with the, you know, Foxes and the Glenn Dennings and the, even the players that kind of, the depth players, you know, bottom six that, kind of have an offensive spark, you know, like a Kivirante or Peterson, they're still not a player that you're going to look at and be like, yes, they're going to be driving the play. They're going to be able to generate this offense or generate scoring opportunities. I mean, you're really only looking at a handful of guys on the roster that can do that. And, you know, some of them are, there's also a consistency issue, you know, like for instance, with Sagan or Garianov, where it's like, okay, is the health there or is it a good night or a bad night? The one real creative guy isn't even signed yet. Oh, that's, that's another doom. <laughs> well, well, yeah, I mean, it's like, Continue you got, rant. No, 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 I was going to say like, you know, you have, you have Robertson and I would say Heinz as well. And then Pavelski, assuming if what's the stipulation was no one falls off a cliff, so there's Pavelski. And then you have kind of those three, and then you have who knows what to expect or what kind of consistency you can expect from Sagan or Garyanov. And that's pretty much it, unless you, you know, really hammer home an offensive mindset uh, system. You bring up some of those young guys that you actually you know, let the kids play basically. Uh, it's, and then, you know, you get, Oh yeah. They let John Klingberg go, you know, they don't let Harley They're either. He's either going to be stuck on the third line behind Lindell or Suter who both won't play on their offside, or you have to put Harley on his offside. And then you're asking this rookie defenseman to suddenly replace your, your top quarterback defenseman off his bad side. I mean, it's just a, the team built this for a defense first team. And the problem is that just isn't getting it done. I mean, there's a reason why we've seen the recent cup champions have been teams like Colorado or Tampa Bay, Washington, Pittsburgh. Like. Right. And, and, and the thing is, there aren't really, you, know, you, you mentioned the, the trio of, of, of draft picks out there who haven't seen any NHL action, but, if you go down and take a look at what happened with the with the Texas Stars, the guys who were driving that team, you know, your McKenzie's, your Lesperances, uh, you know, e- even people like Fredrickson or uh, or or Bach or any of these other guys, the only the only one that has any kind of offensive creativity that has shown any signs of being NHL ready is Riley Damiani. And we're talking about a fifth what fifth round draft choice. Uh, um, you know, he's he's he looked good and he won. He was rookie of the year at Texas two years ago. But how much of that was dependent on him having having a partner that he'd been with for the last five years? And and since we're on the Doomcast, how much of that was dependent upon it being a, you know, plague season where the level of competition wasn't exactly 
you know, what it has traditionally been in the AHL. Yep. So, and I'll, I'll even, ex- I'm going to extend that. I'm going to grow the doom because kind of looking at, you know, looking at Dallas's roster, looking at their cap situation, one of, one of the biggest dooms I can think of is what if Dallas needs help that isn't on the roster today, right now? Uh, they well, are. then, then, uh, then Jim Dill is going to have to burn up a phone and find somebody who is going to cut us a good deal, um, and and not realize he's getting fleeced. I mean, right? Because there's no there's no real to your point, right? There, e- even if you know there there are players in Cedar Park that you know Delandria is one of them, Damiani as well. Like there there are players in Cedar Park that that absolutely project um maybe Maverick Bork this coming season that project as as potential potentially helpful for Dallas down the line. But I don't know that there's anybody that they could call, you know, tomorrow. I don't know that there's anybody within the organization that they could call up that's going to make a difference in the top 6 offensively. And certainly there's no cap space right there's no um it doesn't look like there's a particularly good path through the trade market or even for you know free agency certainly not right there it doesn't it, it sort of seems like this group better be it because it's this group and what you're saying about what if the key to the problem is not on the roster i mean that was my kind of issue with this summer because you know in a vacuum I love the Mason Marchman signing. That's exactly the type of moves that, you know, Dallas should be making and hasn't made in the past. That's the exact same. That's exactly what I like to see from the team, except the opportunity cost of doing that is you don't get a true Klingberg replacement. And, and I think that, and with the whole cap situation, you know, if that's the biggest, you know, kind of hole on the team is that kind of defense on that right side then you're right. Dallas has absolutely no way to address that. Because even from the forward perspective, I'll be trying, unfortunately, add a little bit of optimism. You know, you could see a case where the top six kind of works out with yeah. you know the the power trio, and then if Sagan is doing well, if Gurianov, you know, does really well under DeBoer. Maybe Mar- there's Marchment, uh, Peterson, and, right? You know, Peterson, yeah, could Take a heck, step forward. Even if you have, if you bring up one of those young guys but you pair them with like kind of a resurgent, you know, Sagan or Marchman or something like that. Like there's a way you could even see one of those guys get a lot of help and buoy for that top six, but there's really nothing Dallas can do about the defensive situation. If the defense, if the Lindells and suitors don't, you know, step up and kind of play above the level they were last year, then it's just the only option is a trade. And at that point, your options are very limited in this flat cap world and what asset, because you can't even, you know, just trade some of your assets for someone because of the cap hit. You're probably looking at an even roster trade and those are not very common at all during the season, unless it's, you know, like a depth forward for a depth defenseman or something like that. You know, there's pretty much going to be no move that Jim Nil can make to improve the defense a substantial amount. You're really having to look at everyone going above and beyond to make that position group work, in my opinion. Yeah, because to to improve the defense, just to put it into a little bit of concept, right? To context, right? To to improve the defense, you're probably talking about a good NHL player, right? He's on somebody's roster. A good NHL player is 
probably making some money, right? So to improve the defense, it's not just that Jim Nill would have to go out and find a team with a good defender that was willing to trade him and then to bring him in. You know, it's, it's not just that he's going to have to go to, you know, Anaheim and convince them to send John Klingberg back, right? It's that Jim Nill also has to convince either that team or a different team to take a, a bad player off the roster to clear up the cap space to then send other assets to get a good player to come in and improve the team. Right. So you, you almost are the, the doom is that if Dallas does get into trouble, like if you have to fix the defense, are are you having to, to get somebody to take the Fox a deal and give you a good player? Because if that's the case, like from an asset standpoint, are you, does that mean that, you know, all of a sudden Stankoven's wearing a different jersey or, or you know, Maverick Bork or like, you know, th- this isn't a situation where it's, oh, well, well, Dallas will just flip to Landria for somebody that can play in the top four. You know, there's no that that's not a move they can make. Right. Or, you know, or, you know, any anything that they do is going to come with an an, an extra cost just because you have to clear the space and then you have to make the move and NHL teams aren't really in the habit of doing each other favors. Right. And so really what you're talking about is you're, you're making a big gamble that, that Colin Miller is going to be somewhat an approximate of Klingberg. Your fallback position is that you can always go to Joel Hanley. who takes the life out of a game. And, and <laughs> that was great. That was great under under Rick bonus, but I don't know how that works under a coach that wants to drive some offense. And other than that, I mean, what are you going to, you're going to go try and pull Will Butcher out of Texas. Um, you know, that's kind of what he's there as a, as a backup for that. But beyond that, yeah. What Alex Petrovic? No. Uh, ben Gleason. We've seen nothing that would indicate that, that, that Dallas is going to give him a chance. Um, you're kind of stuck with what you have. Yeah. I mean, and, you're, you're and, and you have, placements. Yeah. Your Klingberg replacement is how much more can Miro give you? How much further can Ryan Suter rebound? And how far along is is Thomas Harley? Right. And the the plan is thing. I, I don't know. I wasn't in the meetings, but you you have to think that Dallas's plan is that those three, and maybe even throw an S Lindell, right? But but you have to think the plan. Yeah, as Kate's in, the plan is that those three give you what you're losing. And I'm going to credit KT in the slack, right? That's not a plan. That's hope. And there's no yeah. room for hope on the doom cast. Right, exactly. And, and, and that's the whole thing. If, if you just take it at face value, can you with a straight face say that the defensive core at Dallas is better than the defensive core you know, this year? Is, is it better than the t- defensive core from last year? And I don't know anybody who can really say positively yes with a straight face. I mean, I, I honestly think the, the best solution is you call Hudobin up and you go back to a 1A, 1B system. And what I mean by that is you dress Wedgwood as a defenseman and then you just have him and Ottinger just share the crease. <laughs> and, and, and get him to eat a lot here in the next couple of weeks so they get bigger. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. that that I didn't know where you were going and now I'm sad. <laughs> and that, so I think we've we've been avoiding we've been avoiding one very big doom. Well, and yeah, exactly right. And and let me lead into it this way: this is a team that was relatively healthy last year that snuck into the playoffs. What happens if an injury bug hits? Yeah, 
and I think especially this is a team as we've as we've already covered. This is a team that is shallow, and depending on where, and we're not gonna we're not gonna put the whammy on any individual players. We we you know we're good fans, we're good custodians of the brand in that regard. But you know this this is definitely you're you're completely correct in that this is a team where it's it doesn't take you know four or five injuries to sink a positional group on the Dallas Stars, right? If it's the right you know this this team is one or two and even even excluding goaltenders cuz most most teams in this league are boned if they lose their starting goaltender but even yeah. excluding the crease right this team is not very well insulated against crippling malady yeah and and and, and you know what what you do at that point is you cross your fingers and you you hope for the cavalry to come come tearing over the top of the hill and and we've been through what the cavalry looks like. And <laughs> well, uh, or if, if you yeah. want me to be, if you want me to be just brutal and cynical, you hope that the injury carries an LTIR hit big enough to solve the problem for you. Well, yeah, <laughs> just uh, be, ouch. Yeah, the, ouch. The brutal, brutal cap calculus answer is you hope at least that the guy that goes down creates the flexibility to replace himself. Well, I mean, the the, the further. Bad thing about, you know, if injury, bad injury strike and, and really keep the steam is, you know, unless we see something like 16, 17, where pretty much the entire team gets injured. <laughs> Let's be honest. After I think that I got injured that season. Too. <laughs> I, I think, yes, I think <laughs> even fans going to the game probably broke a little a bone or two trying to just watch. Um, but unless something happens on that scale then an injury an injury is going to be enough to keep Dallas out of the playoffs easily but it, it's not going to be enough to have them drop and plummet down the standings especially compared to the mothers and so then if you want to look into that you know you know the hope of oh well at least we're bad we're not going to playoffs but at least there's a chance of a really good draft pick or something like that and the Connor Bedard drafts like no like odds are that even if Dallas has struggled and gets injured or whatnot, then given the talent on the roster and, you know, just their makeup and just, you know, that's kind of the organization's, you know, focus is to make the playoffs at all costs. I mean, you're probably looking at a season where, yes, Dallas misses the playoffs again and they're basically, you know, a spot out of the playoffs again and they're drafting at, you know, pick, you know, 12 to 15 again and continue to be this kind of limbo where you know they're they're always kind of that mediocre playoff bubble and it's just well and the other thing i'll I'll expand that one step further is getting in that mediocre bubble right this is a team and this loops all the way back to mark's very first doom right this is a team that that needs that playoff revenue and it's a big part of their planning and you know other historical situations, right? Uh, Kari Lettinen plays, uh, you know, one bad game against St. Louis and it tanks the team's entire philosophy, right? So we enter this season theoretically transitioning out of this, let's grind it down, you know, play low event hockey and hope we get one and they get zero. We're kind of supposedly ending that era and moving into a more modern, um, up-tempo kind of transition-based offensive NHL system. Well, what happens if there are a couple of bad injuries that prevent that transition or the team has to lock it down? Maybe they even squeak into the playoffs again, right? But 
what if this team actually reinforces it, it, it's, it's, it's become the thing that it fought so hard against. Right. And that the injury, you know, injuries or ineffectiveness strike force this team back into its shell and we exit the season and somehow the takeaway has turned into, gosh, we better never, ever open things up ever again because the turtle is, you know, turtles all the way down, right? It's the only way we're ever going to do this thing. I mean, I think that that's very accurate. And I think as long, and this is just the reality, I mean, of it, you know, as fans, we want to see Dallas make moves to win a Stanley Cup. And, you know, ownership typically just wants revenue and success, which means, you know, continuously making the playoffs. And the fact of the matter is that as long as Dallas thinks that this is, even if they keep alternating, you know, they have then for the last however long, almost alternating every single year, playoffs, not playoffs, playoffs, not playoffs. As long as they think that this is a, formula that can get them into the playoffs and then have that oh well once we hit the playoffs anything can happen and all we need is a quick uh, you know deep run and there'll be more playoff revenue and they'll give us hope and whatnot and maybe we win a championship you know but as long as they have the mindset of that this is the way to play to get into the postseason you know i don't think we're going to see a change you know because they're just that afraid of not being able to survive a, a tear down or like you said opening things up and then having it backfire so horribly even if it's not because they open things up just happens to be coincidental you know they're probably just going to stick with the tried and true and safe method even if it's not the best yeah and and that's not even a dallas thing most of the league is in a spot where really an extended teardown isn't isn't feasible right this isn't it's the NHL is not like the NBA where you can just be bad for a couple of years and, and immediately rebound. Like there's, there's a lot more, it's a lengthier timeline. I mean, look at, look at Buffalo because you can easily look at pick Buffalo or Arizona or any of these teams where you could say, yeah, but also tearing it down and being awful doesn't always work. And those are the teams that are the situations that, you know, terrify NHL owners. And that's why, you know, an owner is going to take a, you know, being a perpetual mediocre team, you know, playoff level team over hitting rock bottom, but maybe catapulting up as a result any day of the week, unless they're just one of those franchises like the Rangers or they're just or the Maple Leafs or they're just too big to fail. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that kind of that kind of backs me up. I, I, I'm going to I'm going to go high level again. The other thing that that really concerns me for the stars is that the rest of the division keeps on getting better. And we're talking about a stars team here that, that, you know, if they, if, if the moon and stars align, then they're going to maintain where they were. Well, there's competition out there and the competition had a pretty good summer. And so standing still moves you out of the playoffs. Yeah. And, and their next real chance to make any kind of large jump, you know, we're, we're realistically talking about 2025, 2026 when, um, you know, when you get a little breathing with the Ben deal and the Foxa deal coming off the books. Yep. And this, that's really realistically the next opportunity this team has to reinvent itself is that season because you'll be free of Ben. You'll be free of Linda or just the deals with dollars. Now, like Ben, um, Ben Foxa, Lindell and Suter will all be off the books by that point. Um, 
you know, and, and also you'll have in theory re-signed hence by that point. So who knows? But all of this is to say the next time Dallas really has a lot of change in their pocket to make a, a big move is that season. So, you know, so, so yeah, the take, the take. up up till then, up till then, it's it's let's hope these rookies, uh, the, these guys yeah. that we drafted that we all love, come in or get an opportunity and and thrive. And that's yeah, not the, a the, foregone conclusion. The yeah, doomiest so. thing we can say is that you know for the next two seasons, don't expect anything transformational out of this <laughs> team. I was, was going to say the takeaway from the Zoomcast is there is hope. But you have to wait three years, and it's conditional. <laughs> and, then, and then you hope that's that they take the right lessons away, and what's the market look you, like? You, you you hope that you can hope three years from now. How about yeah. that? So, so, so where where your victory goes. green? Uh, yeah, where your victory green, and and suffer with the rest of us. Man, I need a drink. <laughs> we'll have to whose do I, a, Whose we'll, idea was this? Right. <laughs> Here's, here's, uh, here's, uh, let me let me soak away a bit. <laughs> here's what I propose: we'll we'll reconvene the brain trust and we'll do a hope cast where we do the opposite and we talk about how all of the things that could go well and and you know, we'll, we'll maybe we'll we'll all just get puppies and we'll sit there uh, that, with that, puppies. That'll be, and kittens. That'll yeah, be a good one. Get like, yeah, we're we're gonna get like two listeners on that. There there there's two new stars fans who who are up for that. I was going to say it will be a very easy one for KT to edit because it'll be like five minutes long. Yeah, okay. yeah well, cool. it'll be uh, it'll be the beginning of uh, Bambi versus Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, thank you guys for, for delving the pits of despair with me this evening. Uh, Tyler, Mark, always a pleasure. KT, good luck, man, having to listen to this and stitch it together. Um, hopefully you have a very pleasant positive affirmational environment to help you through the the challenge and as always thanks for the listens remember to download remember to like the podcast um and uh we will doom. we'll do <laughs> thanks guys <laughs> <laughs>